Hey, Shakedown listeners, Tyler here. Before we begin this week's episode, I want to play you a quick clip that I recorded with my guest this week out in the parking lot of the diner where we ended up recording the entire episode. Uh, About 10 years ago, I think is what we determined, uh, he drew a giant cardboard cutout self-portrait of himself for art class in school. And he uh, was getting rid of it one day. He was throwing it out at the end of the year, and he happened to be walking by me. And I don't remember if it was his idea or mine, but we decided that I was going to take it because he would have just thrown it out anyway. And I took this big cardboard cutout, and it's it's a portrait of him in a coat. Uh, it's black and white in pencil on sort of a brown paper bag material. And then he has a giant, realistic picture of a heart sort of enlarged, bigger than his own heart would be over his chest. And the heart is in color. It looks like it was done with colored pencils, maybe. So I shoved the, I dug the cardboard cutout out from under my bed when I went to record this episode, shoved it in my passenger seat of my car, and I brought him over to take a look at it. I didn't tell him I was going to bring it in advance. And uh, I was rolling the mic when we did it, and here's what he had to say. Now before we do anything else, you need to react to what is in my passenger seat right here. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Let's get a better look at it. It's not. Uh... This thing has survived. What year did you make this? 2005. Holy crap! It's almost 10 years old. Sounds it's, about right. It's been under my bed ever since. I knew it. And I knew one day. That's perfect. <laughs> and just recently, I was sort of doing some reorganization. I moved the bed and all that, and I thought, should I keep this? <laughs> I decided yes. Yeah, that's, that's, you know. It's a perfect likeness. It is. What is the symbolism of the heart? Nothing at all. (laughs) They needed me to do something other than just a straight up, like... Self-portrait? Self-portrait. That, and she didn't let me put my, both of my hands in my pockets, so she had me, like, do a a tucking pose. Yeah, because part of the challenge was to, like, draw a hand. Uh, But I don't, I keep my hands in my pockets in high school. (laughs) So. You almost got away with it because your sleeve is so so low. Yeah, no, that's me. I'm sneaky. <laughs> so that's all. I just wanted to share that with you. And if you'd like it, you're welcome to take it. No, I'm not sure if I have much room. Maybe Although we'll... you certainly are not beholden to keeping it. I also uh, put my hood up to make it easier to draw the hair. I remember that. Uh, okay. So a lot of shortcuts. Fewer lines. A lot of shortcuts. I understand. Yeah, it's just a lot of blank coat, isn't it? Yep. When you really look at it. <laughs> Yep, yep. So that's all. I just figured you might like to see that. I I was expecting to. Hello and welcome to The Shakedown. I'm your host, Tyler Mertens, and with me I have at the New Hope Eagle Diner, your former place of work, Mr. Rob Queso. Welcome, Rob. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you. I feel like I'm on public radio. <laughs> you basically are, except it's much less heard than any form of public radio. Eh, you never know. No, I do not have the download numbers. <laughs> They're very low, but they exist, so there's that. <laughs> Now, we have not seen each other in several years, Absolutely, I would wager, yeah. other than me seeing that cardboard cutout of you 
<laughs> under my bed. I haven't seen anybody from New Hope in about six years. Wow. Um, even my closest friends. And is that just a uh, function of living away, mostly, or laziness and keeping up, or um, combination? Well, I'd say I, I kept up pretty well for the first three years out of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but I was, it was kind of the inverse problem. I stayed, I probably need to speak louder, I stayed and, because um, I went to the community college and they all left. Right. So it kind of just became harder to keep in touch. And then um, I moved back just as they're all moving away <laughs> and like, bad timing. we're going to fancy exotic cities that, you know, are on the cusp of being trendy. So. <laughs> and now you're here. Yeah, I'm no, back okay. here. I'm here too. No judgment. <laughs> I mean, I've, I have a decent job, so I'm happy with that. Right. What more could you ask for? Maybe a job yeah. writing plays. Yeah. <laughs> Something maybe more related to my art. You could ask for that, but yeah. that's okay. Um, <laughs> and what sparked this was my brother works where you work. That's and true. He mentioned it to me, and he was like, oh, you know who I saw? Rob Queso. I was like, Rob Queso? He'd be great for the shakedown. Yeah. He's home. It's perfect. Yeah. So here we are. Wonderful. Here we are. Um, let's see. Where should we start? Maybe with our, uh, our dealings with each other. Okay. I'm trying to go back on the timeline here. The okay. earliest things I can remember, definitely in middle school. I guess it goes back to virtual soap. That's yes. probably where we met. Probably. I was in sixth grade. You're two years ahead of me, so you were in eighth grade. I was. That was your final show in uh, middle it, school? It was. We went out with a sizzle. <laughs> Something between a bang and, and well, no sound at all. It was, uh, it was a great step up from the previous year, in which I played a mute hairdresser. <laughs> what show was that? The Envelope, Please? Yes, or? it was. I had maybe like two lines, and then uh, the twist was I was an undercover cop. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> You're but about I, to go see the envelope, please, somewhere. <laughs> You've been looking forward to it. A mute hairdresser. Did you have lines at the end? Yeah. Okay, you got to reveal your plan and yeah. all that. But a lot of what I did before the reveal was kind of like mimey kind of physical comedy. Okay. All right, so yeah, it's sort of like a silent, um, silent Bob a chaplain type. role or silent Bob or a Buster Keaton. Yeah. All right. A true acting challenge for a seventh grader, <laughs> which well, obviously inspired I, you to go into theater. Well, I played a wall the year before, so you know it's a only wall. it's only been you know you played a wall in a version of Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream, which features Snout the Tinker as an actor playing a wall in a play about a play. Okay. So you weren't actually cast as a wall. You were an actor playing a wall in a very meta yes. performance. All right, I was going to be... I don't know what I was going to be. I was going to react differently if you had just been cast as the wall. No, not quite. Unless it was in a Pink Floyd stage performance. Then that would be an honor. That would be something. <laughs> okay, so that's, that's, that's something I need to do. That's the thing. I have all these harebrained theater plans now that I feel like I can do theater. <laughs> and I have, like, no means to do them yet. Yet. I guess the trick is now to just write, 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 and hope, <laughs> yep. write and pray, and find the right people to back it. That, and uh, I'm still looking to do a little directing, still like me some Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. So. I did see you in the performance you directed as and accidentally had to act in, <laughs> at Bucks, of um, 
Oh, God. Much Ado About Nothing. You saw and heard about that? I went to it. Wow. Katie and I went a couple years That's ago. That's right. I don't know if we actually were able to communicate that with you because we may have never seen you before <laughs> after the show. I don't remember, I don't recall. That sounds about right. It was an outdoor production. Yes, it was. Now, you were not supposed to be in that? I was in the, Well, I was supposed to be Dogberry. Okay. Because we didn't have enough people audition in the first place. <laughs> Bad omen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we wanted to do it so we didn't have to double any roles either. We wanted to have it so that, you know, every... Because we almost took, like, the New Hope method where it's like, everyone who auditions gets a part. Right. And with Shakespeare, there's enough parts to do that. And um, I got about 20 people to audition, but there's, like, 23, 24 kind of parts. And some of them are, like, kind of one-liners that you kind of merge with other characters anyway. Right. Um, but, yeah, we didn't have enough people... And nobody kind of suitable audition for Dogberry, which is kind of a lie, because the guy who was totally suitable audition for Dogberry, and eventually was cast as Dogberry, but uh, he didn't necessarily have experience at the time. Okay. So we figured, you know, we let him take on the role of Virgis, which is kind of like an insult <laughs> compared to Dogberry. Mm-hmm. But um, we figured he was like an improviser, so that would give a little more room to kind of like play around with like being funny and stuff like that. And then the guy playing Claudio dropped out um, because he woke up in the woods and he didn't realize how he got there two weeks before the show. And he's like, I can't do this show, guys. Wow. So, he's better now. Okay. He might have had a fugue state incident or something. and uh, he, he was having um, substance abuse problems. Okay. So, he, he was just drinking. Yeah. So, I was in another play with him before and... Um, two years prior called I Hate Hamlet just Shakespeare's the theme you know mm-hmm. and um, I played the ghost of John Barrymore and he played a struggling actor who was cast in the role of Hamlet and we had to do a sword fight at one point and I found out after the show had closed that in rehearsals and for some of the performances during the sword fight he was drunk Ooh. which was a little interesting on my part um, <laughs> not the safest approach but I mean we gave him uh, we cut him not just like you know gave him chances to cut him slack but we, we had a lot of faith in him we cast him again in Macbeth when we did that a year later and he dropped out of that as well okay. um, but now he's you know he's back on track but aside from all that what I was getting to with Much Ado About Nothing I think was um, did you time that? Ours. I don't yeah. know. Seven minutes. We're at eight minutes now. Alright. Uh, milkshakes don't really agree with me either, so this will be interesting. Oh. Um, well, I we mean, could have gone another route. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's, if I have them... Actually, it's not necessarily milkshakes entirely. It's this one specific milkshake from when I went to Nifty Fifties. Okay. And I got a... Thank you very much. Thank you. And I got a um, caramel cheesecake milkshake. Caramel cheesecake. Grind it up into a milkshake, theoretically. Possibly with syrup. Ooh. Could be any number of things. <laughs> but it did it did not go well. And I had Uno's for dinner the next night, and uh, that French onion soup did not stay down. <laughs> Tell me about it. Uh, let's just do a list of times food did not agree with you. Um, <laughs> most recently, when I drank the water at vertical screen, my stomach bubbles. Ooh. I'll have to ask my brother if that's the same situation. It could be psychosomatic. But potentially. What uh, else? Another recent example was I had... Um, my dad made beans and rice, and they were good, and I ate them, but I ate too much of them. 
and then I had to run to catch a train, and I literally sprinted because I thought I was going to miss it. And then I realized I left my keys, not my, like my wallet with my house keys on them, mm. in the car. So I sprinted back to my car, Ooh. and then sprinted back to the train. It was only like it was like doing three hundred meter dashes, like back to back to back to back. Full of beans and rice. Full of beans and Completely rice. Completely full, like as full as you can get. And the time and the train, so I was already feeling really uncomfortable. And then there's like Wi-Fi in the train station, so I was able to pull up a few articles. I read this one piece about how someone tried to take full advantage of the endless appetizers at TGI Fridays. I just read this this morning. And it made me feel even sicker. <laughs> the way they described the uh, like the way the uh, things tasted and the mozzarella sticks. Yeah. And I was just like, I should not have read that. And you're trapped in a train where throwing up is not a viable option. I've seen and heard of people doing worse things than throwing up on a train. <laughs> you don't want to join their ranks though, I assume. Yeah. There's other people on the train, too. So. Um, although I was seated by the door, so worst came to worst. I could have stuck my head out at a stop. Okay. But you can't really time vomit like that. Correct. Usually it's like right after a stop is when the urge would hit, and there's no going back. Point of no return. Mm, flies. <laughs> Those are new. <laughs> Those were new when you worked here? Not that I can recall. Should we get to the diner? I don't even know. We're, we're on a... Uh, Meandering trajectory here. A little bit. A I'm little okay bit. with that. Where did I leave off with? Oh, so just to wrap up, much ado about nothing. Uh, <laughs> I was not intended to play Claudio. I had to take over the role. Uh, with two weeks to go. Two weeks to go. However, it was relatively easy because I had to fill in for that actor at numerous rehearsals anyway. Okay. So I had kind of like the lines down as it was. Mm -hmm. But um, another fun story related to that show is that the guy playing Leonardo. Which there's a cash register behind me, and I want to try to speak over it. The guy playing Leonardo the night before, no, the second night. So we opened the first night; it was fine. Actually, it was it was a relatively successful show considering what it was. But the the night between shows, the guy playing Leonardo was petting his cat and studying his lines, uh -huh. and his cat freaked out and bit him, and the cat's tooth broke off in his hand, and it got infected. And he had to go to the hospital. And he was in the hospital, like, that night, and he didn't even check himself out. He just got up and left so he could come back and do the show. And he was, like, barely standing while he's, like, doing the lines oh and everything like that. And, was uh, his hand wrapped for that performance? How was it? <laughs> um, it was just swollen. It was just, like, red. And you could kind of see it. And I think that's the one we taped. Excellent. <laughs> hey. So, um... No, that's not the one we taped, because we taped the night show that night. He came back for the matinee, and the matinee was the most flawless version of that show we did. And even with his injury, he got all of his lines right, and then as the day went on, when we did the second show that night, he obviously wasn't feeling his best. Perhaps woozy, perhaps kind of faint. But I mean, considering all the wacky stuff that happened during that production, it was, yeah, it worked out. Macbeth, that we did the next year, it happened. It, we, we got there, but it was it was a little harder. Well, and that show has a reputation <laughs> for perhaps being a little harder. It does, and I went into it really cocky because I had done it before. Right, back in the day. Back I, in... I remember that performance. <laughs> that was a good Macbeth. Mask and Zany's Macbeth was, uh, it went well. I just found the DVD. Oh, awesome. So. Have you watched it? Not or recently. Will it be too painful. 
No, it's actually it's not that different from the version I did at Bucks because mm. most of the design I aped pretty directly. Okay. Although we made it more consciously about you know fascism and we had like East German costumes and all this. Oh, stuff. that's cool. Yeah. Actually, part of my um, evil plan is to make is to found the historically inaccurate Shakespeare Company where we do Shakespeare plays reinterpreted through other historical events. All right. Um, like uh, Northern Irish Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> that one stands out to me. <laughs> what else? Um, what some other um, misplaced Shakespeare's? Uh, Julius Caesar in Washington, D.C., 1963. Ooh. So you get a little Kennedy twist on there. That would there. be good. Yeah. I would see that. All right, I can dig it. And then I had an Othello for somewhere. I forget where. Interesting. No, that sounds fun, actually. Yeah. I would, I would go see this. So. Uh, one thing that made me very happy when I saw your Much Ado has nothing to do with the show itself. I could hear you guys right before you went on. You were in somewhere right off the garden. You were doing yep. the, the Mighty Ducks quack, 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 I've, go Ducks. I've taken that everywhere I've gone. Thank you very much. Uh, and that came right from Mask and Zany. That's true. Our, which I guess I should re- mention for anyone who did not go to school with us, may not know, or who did and paid no attention to theater. Uh, Mask and Zany was our high school theater company, our drama club, if you will. And uh, one of the things we did as a tradition before every show was the old Mighty Ducks, hands in the middle, quack, 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 go Ducks. And I will say that I have since stolen the entire warm-up that we did because the last two years I was the drama specialist at a children's day camp. And that sounds awesome. It's an amazing, it was a super fun job. I still work at the camp, but not as a drama specialist. That's and the kind of job I'm looking for. Right? Not That's what you need. Putting in, not calling people up and being like, hey, does so-and-so work there? <laughs> I mean, I can see how it's similar in many ways. <laughs> it's a performance. It really is. <laughs> but uh, I do the entire big face, little face, mm. you know, the stretches, everything. Everything that's appropriate. We don't do the I am a mother pheasant plucker, though. I figured with the six-year-olds, that that could maybe not go so well. No. But I think it's interesting to see. I wonder how many other Mask and Zany vets have just liberally stolen. I took it to New York during my uh, senior project. My thesis, if you will. Ah. Now, this would be a good stop to talk about, point, stop and point out our food and our milkshakes, I suppose. Yes. We each have vanilla milkshakes. I have peach pie and yours is... Blueberry. This is really good, actually. Yes. I'm very satisfied. The milkshakes only took eight minutes from the moment we ordered them to get to the table, which I'd say is decent. You can tell that she uh, opted to bring them out with another order, which there's no rush on milkshakes, really. Right. Maybe this is our time to dive into the time. (laughs) Your experience here. Because you were saying earlier, you were the king of the milkshake. I was. Um... I got to the point where I literally don't recognize anybody here, which is considering it's been four years. I got mm-hmm. fired January 2010. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> <coughs> Jokes on these people because I had to put them on my resume, and I'm sure that they called them numerous times, which is just funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere, someone at Vertical Screens is calling you and saying, did Rob Queso work here? Pretty much. <laughs> the internal verifications guy. They have a guy who just does strictly oh, internal. You guys. Well, that's interesting. I mean, it makes sense. They better be the best in the business when it comes to hiring people and checking their references. Right. Considering that's all they do. Maybe. So, what's your best story from the diner? 
most memorable, most horrendous. I can definitely tell the story how I got fired. Okay. But I might save that for a little later, because I'm trying to think. Yeah. My friend worked here, too. My roommate, actually. Um, <clears throat> he was also, he was Benedict in the, in the Much Ado. Mm. He was Ross in the Macbeth. He was the other kind of drama club you know, head honcho along with me. Right. And that shit did not transfer over to <laughs> University of the Arts. People were not impressed with us whatsoever. <laughs> you were like the big guys on campus, at least in your own minds. At, at, at Bucks. Bucks, yeah. And then you went together. <laughs> to, yeah, went together okay. to UArts. More like he followed me, but whatever. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, they were just not impressed <laughs> at all. I'm like, look at these guys. And there's some people coming there from really impressive stuff, so. Right. But I learned how to be a better artist, so there. All right. And I have a piece of paper that says so. <laughs> um, but he worked here, too, and he worked the overnight. Ooh. So that was where all the interesting stuff happened. I'm sure. Um, and then I worked, I worked breakfast on the weekends. That's mm. got to be crazy. Yes. I worked 8 to 4 Saturday and Sunday, and then 4 to 11 on Thursdays. And... Um, I remember one of the 4 to 11 shifts was when Inception came out, and I, like, threw everything down to leave at, like, 11 o'clock so I could drive to the midnight release. Mm-hmm. That was fun, though. I made it in time and everything. And you survived, stayed <laughs> awake for that three-hour movie after that shift here? three-hour movie about sleeping, yeah. <laughs> I never thought of it that way, but that might be the most tempting movie to fall asleep during of all time. I fell asleep during uh, another Christopher Nolan movie called Insomnia. Hmm. Interesting. The irony is not lost on us. <laughs> I was watching it on TV. It was dark. It was like 4 o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> in the winter. It was just sleep conditions. <clears throat> but he had the interesting people. He would have, like, the everyone coming in from the bars late at night. Mm-hmm. And um, because, I've been here at that hour recently, and it is certainly a bizarre experience. I can only imagine what you see as a, as a waiter. All right. I have three stories regarding the diner. Okay. Each from about the definite one on my first day, one about midway through, one on my last day. Ooh. On my first day, my first table, family of four. It's eight o'clock in the morning. The kids want strawberry milkshakes with their omelets. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, strawberry milkshake is just about the most counterintuitive milkshake flavor that you could make because the process for making a milkshake is ice cream, syrup, milk, blend. Okay. There is no strawberry syrup. So, like, and there is no strawberry milk. So all we have is strawberry ice cream and regular milk and chocolate milk. So, like, you can't make, like, a purely strawberry milkshake. You can make, like, a strawberry-hinted milkshake. And I didn't really know this. I didn't really know how to do it. And also, it's the only ever time I've had to make a strawberry milkshake and work in here for six months. Which is long for some people. It's not the most popular flavor. No. I also had to make a thing. A guy wanted chocolate milk mixed with seltzer. No. Yeah. And whipped cream on top. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. That's like a New York egg cream minus some of the ingredients. <laughs> but I had to make this strawberry milkshake for these kids. And they also, you know, they ordered... Between the four of them, they ordered, like, so much stuff. And I was new. You know, my first day, I was, it was a relatively overwhelming experience. Oh, they got new cups, at least. I do see that. <laughs> 
um, I thought these were just special milkshake cups. Oh, they used to be served in Coke cups, which is hilarious because they serve Pepsi here, but whatever. Now they've righted that wrong, and <laughs> these are in Pepsi cups. Um, but yeah, so by the time the food came out and the milkshakes were done, the milkshakes, I think, went out first. And yeah, the milkshakes went out first because I was stupid and didn't just, I should have just taken them out with the food. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time the food did come out, the kids were like, these milkshakes are terrible, and we have to go somewhere. We can't even eat this. <laughs> How old are these kids? Uh, the kids are like five and six, wow. but like the parents were like, we have to, I assume church was where they had to go. Yeah. And you got rude kids, you got parents in a rush. Yeah. And uh, they, um, they left without eating anything or paying for anything, no. and, and how I didn't get fired on the spot, I absolutely have no idea. Wow. Tony took mercy on me. That's shocking. And then... Oh, what was my middle of the ground story? Oh, okay. I've, I got two quicker ones. My, my, my best table ever was a bunch of tourists from New York who were delighted to see that I took enough care to ask the chef how rare the roast beef was. And they gave me a $20 tip. <laughs> New Yorkers love roast beef, what can I say? <laughs> they love careful care being taken with the roast beef. Which, considering that there's probably nothing careful about the way anything's handled here. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> providing the illusion. Yeah. You just make people happy. Harsh. Shots fired. <laughs> I got the inside track, man. I know what's up. That's true. I may never want to come back um, once I hear whatever else you have to say about this. One that was really nuts was I was working a later shift, and I wound up staying until, like, 1 in the morning that night. Sorry, I ramble. No, I'm just checking. And, um, there's a guy who's a regular here. Gotch. You may have seen him. Probably. Uh, I have another story related to him. But, uh, his mom died, and he was really close with his mom. And he literally invited everybody he knew here for, like, a makeshift kind of, like, wake dinner. Mm-hmm. And they literally took over the entire dining room. Wow. So it was, he knew a lot of people. Is yeah. what you're saying? So he filled this place up. And it was during James' shift, and uh, he was not best pleased. Because, <laughs> like, nobody ordered anything. They just kind of, like, sat and, like, took up space. Interesting. So. Right, taking away just, space from paying customers. Yeah. At, you know, one in the morning, I guess, isn't really a huge deal. But, um, yeah, he was, just, he was just running coffee. Like, and I wasn't doing anything. I was over on the other section. And I was just running the coffee too. Section? The, the former, former smoking, smoking section. Smoking section. Yeah. But um, how I got fired? Yeah, very curious to hear this. January fifteenth, two thousand ten. Ooh, a day that will live in infamy. <laughs> um, I had a relatively okay day. It was a it was an eight to four. I think it was a Sunday. And um, it was like three. 52 and uh, I had already waited on this one guy and his lady friend and he was get, he got like a cheesesteak which thank you you never get a cheesesteak outside of Philadelphia um, that was his first mistake <laughs> that was his first mistake <laughs> and um, I was ready to go back and get it I just got sat and ate top of probably like CB East kids because they weren't kids I recognized because if they were I would have been a lot more real with them (laughs) 
but uh, they had me go around and explain to each one of them individually the specials and the sides eight times. Like, none of them were, they're all too engrossed in their own conversations, like, they didn't just get, like, you know, like, oh, okay, so I can get fries, a sweet potato, mashed potato, I can get all these things. They're like, no, what are the sides again? Every single one of them. Yeah. And it took me literally 20 minutes to get their order. Wow. And then they wanted separate checks. Of course. So I'm flipping back and forth between all these things, and, um... The guy's cheesesteak ends up sitting under the heat lamp for like 15 minutes. And um, I asked one of the hostesses, who I don't see here, so I assume that she's not here anymore. Uh, but it could, no, yeah, because they work the hostesses into the ground. Um, but uh, I asked one of the hostesses to run it out for me, and she gave me this like really quizzical, kind of pissed off look, and I was like, I have to deal with this ridiculous table, I don't understand. And um, I took the. I had to take the sandwich to the guy, and he's like, "What is this? It's been sitting thick for so long. It's all, it's all gross and hard and burnt." And I was like, "I'm sorry, I had to deal with this obnoxious table." He's like, "I know Tony," and by that point, Tony had been the manager for like four months. Mm, two months. I think so he, he left around Thanksgiving. He's pulling a belated Tony card here. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, by that point, I was kind of like, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it out of this one. So I was like, yeah, well, Tony's not here anymore. <laughs> you hit the eject button, essentially. You could have appeased him. You could have backed down. Something you, like that. You went full throttle. <laughs> that's, that's when I realized food service wasn't for me. And then my next job... You know, three months later was another food service job that lasted even less time. Where was this? That was at what I like to call Beat Lorraine's in Peathers Village. Oh, yes. Currently now, the Buttonwood Grill. Yes, yes. Um, I was a, I got duped into being a server assistant there, as opposed <laughs> to being a server. Okay, you were, you were promised serverhood, and then the next thing you know... They're like, oh, no, we'll, we'll promote you... Uh, we'll promote you come... Uh, the holidays, mm. which by that point I was already, it was just a summer job. I got hired, it was in, I got hired in April, I got fired in June. Okay. And I was going to UArts that August. So it wasn't like. You weren't sticking around <laughs> at Beat Lorraine's yeah. to become a full server. Nah. I see. Wow, well, sounds like you get fired a lot. <laughs> Where else have you been fired from? <laughs> That's it, actually. Okay. Um, the Gertrude Hawk that I used to work, which I'm pretty sure I've served you at. Oh, absolutely. I think whenever I see a Gertrude Hawk, is Rob Queso working? <laughs> no, no, not. I'm going to get some smidgens. Not since 2010. Mm-hmm, that's gone, right? Yeah, it's... Although I stopped by Pennsburg just the other day, eh, the other week, mm-hmm. and the lights were on in the back of the Gertrude Hawk. Interesting. Because I was showing my girlfriend, like, oh, this is where I worked, that no one came. And this is why, because it's it faces the north, <laughs> so the sun never goes near it, Yep. and it's just constantly in shadow, just Completely looks closed. Hidden. I would never have known it was there. You probably were the one who told me where it was, or else I would have never stumbled in there. And I live here. <laughs> I didn't even know it was there. But the lights were on. I wonder what backdoor dealings were going on inside the former... They also um, chained the doors shut so you can't use the key to get in. Ooh. Because <laughs> that was something I considered doing. Did you have a you have key to this? No, <laughs> I, I wound up leaving it. 
but I considered keeping it because I was like, this is just a cool place to hang out because on my last day, I had to throw out $1,000 worth of chocolate. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. And I just called a bunch of friends over. Wow, that's fun. And they just, like, took it all. Sure. I mean, if it's going in the trash. Yeah. One guy took all the fudge. He just was like, I'm just going to take this whole case of fudge. <laughs> he said it lasted him all summer, so. Wow, well, right. Good for him. <laughs> I know I've seen you. I'm trying to think where else I've seen you work. There's guy stuff. Oh, uh, yep. Yeah, I left there to go to school. Right. Or to go back to school. Another, another summer job. The poster shop is closed. Yes. Also, apparently guy stuff does not keep uh, very good records because when Vertical was hiring me, um, they needed, like, they couldn't get in touch with the poster shop because it was closed. They right. couldn't get in touch with the manager who used to work there because the policy is you can only get in touch with current employees. And... Um, they couldn't get in touch with the owner, so they had me scan and send my W-2, and then that wasn't enough, so they had to have me... No, wait, the W-2 was enough. Sorry. For my other job at the improv theater, they had to have me send a pay stub. Okay. I got my stories mixed up. Vertical screen doesn't... Uh, they don't mess around when it comes to hiring. <laughs> As they should. Thank you. Oh, no, they hired me. That's true. It sounds like you've been fired more than not, so... They're like, yeah, this seems like the right guy for the job. I mean, I've been fired from kind of, you know, menial physical food jobs. That is true. That is, I've never been fired. I went out in a blaze of glory once from, um, what's it called? How am I forgetting the name? I worked Wildflowers. Wildflowers is a former, it's closed recently, Thai restaurant in New Hope in a location similar to Gertrude Hawk where you would never know it's there. Based on the look on your face... Like, it, there's no recognition whatsoever, and you've lived here. Is that the one in, that's not the one in Lambertville? No, no, no. Okay. In New Hope, and when you're sitting, like, you get on it from Mechanic Street. Right. I'm not even sure where that yeah, is. <laughs> when you're sitting on the balcony of Wildflowers, you're overlooking the water and the bridge, and on the other side of the bridge is the Playhouse. Okay. So if you're on that bridge, oh, okay. Playhouse is on one side. On the other side, it's like the vintage store, the um, Night Bird. Bird. Okay. Formerly the Night Owl. Right, Next right. to that is Wildflowers. They have the Sticky Rice. Yes, the Mango Sticky Rice. Yes. Which is excellent. I worked there for about, not even six months, I don't think. I was in like 10th grade. And... Uh, I, I never told the story on the shakedown. I um, was a busboy. I don't know why I think I was working my way up, but I really didn't want to work my way up. I've always had this thing where I'm very happy at the level that I'm at. I was a cart boy at Giant forever, and when the time right. came to move up to cashier, I just le- I didn't do it. <laughs> I, I postponed it as long as possible, and then I left. Which I'd imagine cashier would be significantly cushier. I don't know. See, I think you're, you're dealing with so many people. And it's just so fast, and if you're working a busy shift, whereas carts, I'm outside, I'm in my zone, I'm just pushing carts all day, back and forth. I really, I don't know why, I found it very peaceful. I could sneak my iPod in, uh-huh. listen to a few podcasts, a little music. If uh, nobody, if the managers were feeling kind that day, they wouldn't tell me to take them out right. if I had one earbud in. So Wildflowers was the same way. All I did was I would stand by the soda machine, where which is also where the food came out from the kitchen. Right. And I would basically prepare, you know, a tray for each server. A very small restaurant, you know, it seats maybe 30 people at most. Not even. And uh, I would also prepare the quote-unquote drink orders. I couldn't make alcoholic drinks because I was 16. Right. But, you know, they would say, I need five Cokes. I'm right there, boom, 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 put them on a tray, get them out. And sometimes I would take them out, too. It depended on how busy we were. 
Right. And that was essentially my whole job. And I'd clear tables. And that was it. That was my entire job. And, you know, I got tipped out at the end of the night. All the servers would tip me out. It was a pretty good job. Busy, but I got paid under the table. And it was fun. Well, it lasted. But uh, I'm going to say October, I think, rolls around. I worked there all summer, which are the busy months. And they are seasonal. They close in November Mm. and reopen in April. So they're just beginning. Probably another reason why they're not open now. (laughs) Exactly. They were very successful while they lasted. But one of the owners passed away recently. So Uh. I think that is what mostly caused their demise. I think they sold the building, too. So the other guy probably just wanted to get out. Uh, I worked there all summer. Finally, right around October, they're preparing me. I did a few test runs as a waiter. I didn't do too hot. I was very, very nervous about the whole thing. My first question right off the bat, as soon as I went to a table and took their drink order, you know, what kind of beer do you have? Well, we have Blue Moon. That was that was the beer, the only beer you could get there. I'm 16. I don't know anything about beer. And the customer goes, well, is that a light beer or a dark beer? The light beer. I have no idea. I didn't know that. <laughs> so I'm just like, ugh. I know nothing. Jon Snow. So anyway, it's October, and my girlfriend at the time, who you and I both know very well, was having some weird, inexplicable medical issues. And Is that the one she got married? Yes. She was undergoing some pretty severe surgery. Mm. Like, very short notice. I they, seem to recall this. They diagnosed the issue, and it was like... Short, it was the next, it was within a day, within 24 hours. They're gonna, from when they planned this and decided this was what they're gonna do, it was gonna happen. Okay, and the hospital's up in Lehigh. I think it's I don't, Lehigh go, Valley I don't go anywhere, so it's far away. It's <laughs> Locations a, are lost, on it's me. at least an hour or two drive. I'm 16, I don't drive, I don't have a license yet. Um, because I was one of those slightly delayed by about you know a year at most, yeah. So we had, I believe, rehearsal for something after school that next day. I wasn't planning on seeing her in the hospital because there was no way for me to get there. And I was supposed to work at Wildflowers this night, a private party for Ooh. the man who just passed away. It was his surprise birthday party. The Ooh. other owner was throwing it. And he needed me and this other guy who worked there to be like servers. But we were just passing out. It's like high stakes, low stakes at the same time. Like you're not doing a lot, but it's important. Right. And we were passing, just passing out food. So anyone could do it. And I had agreed to do it, but in this moment, I'm at the school, I'm at rehearsal, my ex-girlfriend's sister pulls up to the school and jumps out, runs towards the theater doors, and, you know, I see her, I'm thinking, what's she doing here? She goes, hey, I'm going over to the hospital. Do you want to ride? You can come with me, and we can go see her together. And I'm thinking, this is great. Her older sister's here. What were you rehearsing? I have no, it would be October of 2007. Seven? Eight? I don't know. But October 2008, was it The Foreigner? No, it wouldn't have been The Foreigner yet. Okay. So it might have been the year before. I'm honestly not sure. Maybe I wasn't rehearsing, but other kids that I knew were, which is why I was able to leave. Right. I don't know. That makes more sense. I wish I remembered. But in this moment where her sister says, hey, let's go, we'll go to the hospital, I completely am blanking on work because it's an unusual night that I normally would not have been working. It's just this surprise party thing for, I imagine, a small gathering. Totally forget about it. Jump in the car. I'm on my way to the hospital for an hour, two hours. We're almost there, and all of a sudden the light goes off in my head, and I'm thinking, oh, crap. I am supposed to work tonight. There's no way I can get back. You know, I'm not going to ask her to, oh, wait, let's not see your sister who's in the hospital and about to undergo surgery. We should just drive back, and you can drop me off at Wildflowers, right? (laughs) 
So I have this horrible phone call that I have to make and say, listen, I'm so sorry, but here's the situation. It's a medical emergency for my girlfriend. I'm going. I, I'm absolutely not working tonight. I'm sorry. I got so much crap for this from my boss. You know, oh, yeah, I can't believe you're not more responsible. Never had a problem with the boss before. I was on very good terms with both of them. You know, this is un- unforgivable. You need to find somebody to fill in for you at work. And I don't know why at that point I wasn't just like, I quit and hang up. Instead, I'm like, okay, I'll try. I call everyone I know, people that don't even work there, people that work there, everyone that I can try to call, ask them to work. They can't do it. I call back. I'm like, look, I'm sorry. You know, you are the boss of this establishment. Maybe you can find somebody's like, you're the worst, you know. You know, I, we, you need to be more responsible. And I said something to the effect of, like, you need to be more sympathetic to my plight. Because I was, you know, 16 and in love. Um, and he, I literally said, listen, I'm not coming in today, and I'm never coming back in again. And then he hung up on me. And that was our phone call. And I was a big romantic hero when I arrived at the hospital, as you can imagine. I sacrificed my, my livelihood and, and uh, job. That sweet $6 really an hour. <laughs> Plus tips. All for all that comes here. But really, it was just I forgot. <laughs> he did call back the next day, my boss, and apologize and say, look, I'm sorry if you want to come back. And I was like, nope. It's all good. And... Uh, that was how that job ended. But the big thing that I never really told anyone involved in that situation was that I was getting, within a month I would have quit anyway. <laughs> so it wasn't as bold a romantic gesture nah. as I thought. Now I have a request for one of your stories. Okay. That I heard from you many years ago, and it involves. And let's see if this will ring any bells. It involves your gym shirt. <laughs> I'll set the stage here. We all had to buy a uniform gym shirt at New Hope Solberry in middle and high school, I believe. Mm -hmm. It was a gray shirt, you know, it's a New Hope Solberry, athletics, whatever on it. And um, we had to wear it every day or else you're penalized, you lose points. I've since subbed as the gym teacher. I've been the substitute gym teacher there. And I have to mark down who's not wearing their shirt. And typically we write our names on the back of these shirts in Sharpie. So... <laughs> uh, I never locked my locker. We never really. No, we did have assigned lockers. Yes, we had numbers. There's also every now and then the the candy locker, where the candy locker. There was a locker where yeah, this was in high school. Where people would stash candy, like bags of like old Halloween candy. You just like these. yeah, it was so you pull out a laffy taffy and then you go to gym. <laughs> um, but I assumed that I had lost it or that. I just had misplaced it for one way or another, but I had, I think, three gym shirts. Mm. And I kept them all in the locker, and I wore them in a rotation, so I didn't have to wash them as frequently, which was still kind of gross. <laughs> I had one shirt, and I never washed it. Yeah. But, um... I... It's funny, because I took to decorating them eventually. Okay. Pretty intensely. <laughs> um, you could go ham with those fabric markers or Sharpies. On it was, it was Sharpie. And now, like, the, the, the most decorated shirt's all faded and they barely see it anymore. <laughs> but um, the one that I left kind of the plainest just had, like, my name on the back kind of scribbled on as, like, an afterthought. And that was the one that went missing. And I was like, oh, did I take it home and wash it and it got put somewhere or something like that? I just, I just couldn't figure it out. 
And then I think I'm like, I think I was, I was 15. Maybe I had just turned 16 because I was in Doylestown trying to meet this girl. And uh, typical. Why else would you ever go to Doylestown? That's a read. Read comics and not buy them. <laughs> but um, what's this? It's a little doing a podcast. No, no, it's no, no right. problem. Um, she to, 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 to meet a girl. Not even to like to meet her, just to like find her. <laughs> Did she know you were going to find her, <laughs> or were you just on the lookout? We were, uh, we were kind of like pen pals. So it's like, oh, if you're ever in Doylestown, you know. You had a pen pal from 13 miles from your house. <laughs> we uh, we had a mutual friend, um, and. We got to like talking, so it got pretty serious. Oh, okay. Not really. Pretty intense. It could have. And now you're gonna go hunt I'd... her down without her knowledge. <laughs> it could have, and I uh, totally, totally ruined it. <laughs> but I was with my other friends, Liam, and I'm not sure if you recall Clayton Albacton. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was with those two fellas. <laughs> you know, painting. You brought backup to help you find her. And w- I think we did find her in the bookstore by the Magnetic Poetry. Okay. And it was like, real sure, it was like, hey, hey, how are you? I'm good. All right, I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't write her a magnet poem? I tried. It's so romantic. I found her in the bookstore by the Magnetic Poetry. <laughs> yeah, you exchanged her three words, and then you guys re- walked away, and the, you and your boys high-fived, I'm sure. <laughs> Something along those lines. <laughs> and we're walking by the museum. Mm-hmm. On the... Uh, other side, sort of. If that makes any sense. If you know Doylestown, who's <laughs> on the other side of the museum? I think we're actually headed to the library, so we're on which like, is right next. To yeah, so we're on like the library side of the museum. Okay. And I thought I saw. I'm adding a lot to the story, but it's it's getting there. I thought I saw um, her and her friends sitting in like a like a little huddle in like this big open lush green field that you can only find in Bucks County mm-hmm. and I waved and they were like I was like oh alright and then in that moment a guy jogged past us <coughs> and I was take, taken aback by the way he jogged through us because they were like traveling in like kind of like a three man formation sure and he kind of like weaved through us and because if he had gone around us, I would have never even noticed. But because he went through us, I turned and I looked, and I saw my name on the back of his shirt. <laughs> I was like, no, that can't be. That's the right color. That looks like my name. I've got somewhat of a visual memory that looks like how I wrote it. Uh-huh. You know, scribbled as an afterthought. Sure. And um, Liam saw it, and he agreed that it looked like it was my name. So uh, we went and we started to go after this guy. I guess he wasn't jogging very fast because we were able to kind of keep up with him. And eventually he kind of turned into this side street that I'd never even noticed. It was like we went to Diagon Alley (laughs) and um, he like goes into his apartment and I was like, oh man, we lost him. And like, no, just knock. (laughs) You might need to do a door. What are we going to do? Oh man, there's matter in the way. Um, (laughs) But we knocked and he answered it. And his small child was watching Spongebob on the floor, and his wife was looking very concerned. And he was like, hello? And I was like, hi, you're wearing my shirt. And he's like, uh, no hablo? I was like, oh. 
Mayamo Rob Kesa. And I pointed to like the back of my thing. I was like, oh, yeah. And he turned around and like pointed to it. And he was, he was like, uh, eh? I was like, no. Oh, he offered to remove the shirt? I was like, no, that's that's all yours. Um, have a nice day. <laughs> and like we left. But yeah, we like, it was this. It was like that bit in the French Connection where Popeye Doyle's doing the chasing the guy under the bridge. It was kind of like that. It's like we can't lose him. We got to find this guy so I can find out if that's my shirt or not. It's just that story always fascinated me, which is why I asked you to tell it because it's what are the odds? It's so. First of all, your shirt goes missing and somehow ends up on this guy's back. Whether it was donated to, I don't know where or what. My theory is that there are, uh, or at least there were some fellas who used to come around and play basketball on the court uh, after hours okay. around like 5 o'clock yes. fellas of this gentleman's persuasion yes. nationality if you will and um, I believe that you know they found an open locker and was like oh I need a shirt to wear while I ball and that then could be uh, that could be it or even if it like fell out of your bag somewhere on the ground outside near there but why would you ever pick up a shirt? Because how would they get into the locker room? Those are not open. I feel like sometimes they were. Maybe. Because I've definitely gotten into the locker room after hours before. <laughs> not to do anything surreptitious, <laughs> just to be like, oh, let me go to my locker real quick. I need to freshen up. Okay. <laughs> Take a quick shower. No, I just need to hose myself down with Axe. That was my idea, freshen oh, up in sure. high school. It was all of us back in the day. <laughs> That's just like, oh no, it's homecoming. Let me go put on some deodorant. Right. <laughs> it's almost prom time. Time to give a quick spray. <laughs> it's just the odds of all those things happening and then him running through you. It's just, it's wonderful. Yep. It's just such a wonderful coincidence. I like to believe there is a God, but all he does <laughs> is design weird little things like that to happen. Ugh. So they make good stories later. Yeah, could be. That's it. That's the whole grand design of life on this planet. And then the only other thing I could think of that was on my bullet points would be uh, the time we went to see Weird Al, which is, this is good timing because he's the number one album on the Billboard Top 200 right now as we speak. Which is fantastic. Which I purchased a physical copy of that. Oh, I need to do that. When it came out. I, I used um, you last week when he was trying to chart to number one. <laughs> well, he clearly, he got there without me. Um, I'm just glad that he made it so that I can listen to Blurred Lines without feeling shame. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. the real genius, because he also made it educational. Mm -hmm. I may be able to use that one day <coughs> if I ever find myself teaching English. Mm. But uh, I feel like that's not far off in my future. <laughs> is, that, is that your next piece of education? Is that what you want to do now, go back and do more schooling? Probably in about a year or two. Okay. Get my master's in playwriting so I can go teach it. There you go. Not actually write plays, just teach it. Just teach it. Be like, I, listen... <laughs> I've never done this. I've read enough, though. But I'll tell you how to do it. <laughs> I'm sure you just dealt with a lot of professors like that. Yeah. Actually, no. for the most part, my playwriting professors are pretty good. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think what tour we went to see old Weird Al on. I want to say... Poodle Hat? It would have had to be. 2003-ish? A long time ago, yeah. 2003, 2004. I have a great picture Yep. Uh, maybe I'll put it up with this of, of the whole crew. Yes. That went. It was you, me, Rob Ziggs, Kyle Whitmore, and my dad. Yep. And I just have to interview Kyle Whitmore, and I'll complete it. And my dad, <laughs> and I'll complete it. The the Weird Al uh, 20, 20, 2004 tour. 
Truthfully, I haven't bought an album of his since Running With Scissors. Wow. And I had that on tape. You had... <laughs> that was the first album of his that I bought. Yep. Because that was in, like, 99. Yep. Man. That album holds up. Oh, yeah. No, that's a, that's a very strong album. Uh, the new one's pretty strong, too. Yeah. But, I mean, it depends on what your thoughts are about the music of the, this era. Right. You know, Running With Scissors might be... You might enjoy a lot of the songs that he parodies... And then he's got stuff like My Baby's in Love with Eddie Vedder and all that on that CD. I don't know. I think the saga begins kind of carries a lot of it. But, yeah. But uh, have you seen him since or before that? No, but I do want to. I've seen him five times, including that time. And I've met him three or four. I went to a book signing. He he has a children's book out. Two now. I went and met him there. I've seen him after his concerts and stuff. So all of my sundry Weird Al collectibles are signed. (laughs) I couldn't even tell you. Truthfully, I don't think I even have... I've got Greatest Hits 1 and 2 mm-hmm. and Running With Scissors. But I did also... Um, he had a, a special on... Not MTV2. At the time, it was called The Box. And then he, was, he had the special that kind of ran every couple of days on this music channel that nobody knew what to do with, apparently. And they would play like a, a selection of his videos. And like he would do little kind of intercuts in between. This is definitely around the time of running with scissors because he's okay. like I think it's also been longer since he's shaved and grew out his hair than it's been since he had like the weird fro and the mustache. Mm, that's a weird thought. Because yeah that split would be well his first album came out in eighty four. Okay. So fifteen years. Three. I wanna say four. And then ninety nine's when he ninety nine when running with scissors came out. I think it's ninety nine, right? Because yeah. Dead Hair Day's like ninety seven. Yeah. And he's mm. still got the, the stash and the glasses. So let's say it's 99 to 2014 versus... It's about the halfway point. 99 to 84. Wow. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> now, what would he look like with glasses and a mustache now? I think he did it on uh, How I Met Your Mother episode. I haven't seen it. Oh, really? I think they... I think so, too. ...dialed him up and put him back in that era. I also saw this ridiculous uh, photo set that was a parody of UHF. It was a uh, it was a boudoir kind of parody of UHF. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen this? No. I think it was on Gawker. Um, there's a lady in like a Weird Al wig with a oh. mustache and glasses, oh. Oh. <laughs> and like the Hawaiian shirt. That's a uh, that's too much of a mixed message for my brain. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look it up as soon as I finish this. So. And then uh, you got someone doing the Michael Richards oh. on the mop. Oh, why? That's my mom. And then, um, the Emo Phillips with all the blood. Oh, the fun. No. The unlikeliest of boudoir photos. <laughs> now, UHF, it was just announced, I think, today. It's coming to Blu-ray. Ooh. And the complete owl. Have you ever seen this? No. I have a VHS of it, which I got signed recently. Okay. And <clears throat> it's the, the complete Beatles was out around the time. Mm. It was like a... It was, the, it was the mid-80s, right at the start of Weird Al's career, and it was just a um, TV special, I guess, about the Beatles' career or whatever. And so Weird Al puts out the complete Al. I mean, he only had one or maybe three albums at most, <laughs> one, two, or three albums out. So he wasn't... Weird I, Al in 3D was, and Dare to be Stupid? Possibly. I think Dare to be Stupid was out. So he's, you know, pretty fresh. He has Eat It, which was his, obviously the thing that catapulted him up right. into pop culture, but it's hysterical. It's to this day. It holds up. It's this weird mockumentary, basically, about his career and his life and all that. 
and they take it very seriously at times. Have okay. you seen the behind the music? Yeah. <laughs> I had that and all those videos on like a VHS tape that yeah. I watch like every weekend. I'm really glad that Weird Alex with this starting this week he's back and everybody thinks it's cool to like Weird Al again right there was a time when it just wasn't oh yeah I watched some of the uh, way early videos that I hadn't seen before like uh, Ricky oh yeah and uh, I Lost on Jeopardy is hilarious oh yeah 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 that song is better than the original and it predates Alex Trebek as it the does, host of Jeopardy by like six months which always confused me when I was a kid and you'd see that video I'd be like where is Alex Trebek what's going on there's a good collection. Have, have you seen the video for the song that that parodies? No, I've never seen that video. It's uh, for Jeopardy by the Greg Kinn Band. Yeah. And it's probably funnier than the Weird Al one, but unintentionally so. Okay. Because, like, he, uh, he's, the, the conceit of the video is he's on the altar and he's, like, about to get married to, I guess, this lady that he doesn't want to get married to. Mm-hmm. And he feels trapped or whatever. And which makes no sense because if their love's in jeopardy then doesn't that mean there's some kind of outside force rather than like their love's in jeopardy because he can't commit but then again I haven't listened to the verse that's how you interpret it perhaps (laughs) (laughs) but the effects are so like terrible yeah and like it's kind of like this weird early Tim Burton looking kind of stuff where like people turn into skeletons and there's like tentacle monsters and like doorways at like 45 degree angles and stuff like that so that's them, and that's just, I never understood why at the end of the I Lost on Jeopardy video, he drives away with a couple that's just married. Yeah, because at the end of the Greg Kinn video, which is also, that is Greg Kinn at the end of the oh, Jeopardy video, um, he he leaves his church, and a lady leaves her church across the street, and then they get in his car together and go away. I see. I see. I understand now. It all makes sense. <laughs> I'm just, I can't think of any funny stories from when we went to see Weird Al. It was pretty standard. There was a guy in, like, in the row ahead of us who was just like filthy, disgusting, like caked in dirt. I don't know if you recall. This I recall a little bit of that, yeah. Right in front of us. But that's but nothing, nothing unusual happened. He came to our row during one more minute. Oh, did he? But we were seated too far we in the, the middle, middle for right? like him to really we interact with us. Yeah. I've never been lucky. I sat front row at probably the next one I went to after that with that ex-girlfriend who we talked about earlier that was like an early one of our first dates and I'm th- if I were her I'd be like this is the greatest this is the greatest thing ever first couple dates I'm going to Weird Al front row probably didn't think of it that way did she pay? no I paid yeah so exactly front row seats we were front I'm, when I'm saying front row Weird Al was where the register is and we were right where I am nice but nothing fun happened there Hmm. We met him after, but it was very brief. You know, you wait by the bus and all that. Yeah. I don't have any funny weird stories. I wish. I gotta get Weird Al to do this podcast. <laughs> I gotta work my way up the food chain to Weird Al. Get him to Skype in. Well, that's possible. Probably not. He's a pretty busy man right now. Probably. Maybe if I caught him before uh, he had a number one Billboard hit for the first time ever. I was surprised by that. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. But I, he it's, might have. It's interesting because I have other songs on his album. In their original iteration, been number one? No, he's never had a number one single. He, Eat It was the highest one. It was like number 12. What, was Blurred Lines ever number one, like the original? Oh, you mean the originals? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I believe most of them all so, had number one singles, and that's. Which tells me that, like, smart people are buying the same songs twice. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> to get the version with funny lyrics. So, I don't know. I don't know, but it, there's a good strategy. The videos are mostly good. 
Have you seen most of them? He's got eight videos out for the new album already. How many tracks are on the album? Twelve. Oh, that's not bad. Uh, I, yeah, I, I kept up with all that. I liked Foil. Foil was fine. That's a strong song because yeah. it sounds like just a typical Weird Al. You know, right. he took Royals and made it Foil, but then it takes a dark twist. <laughs> Uh, Word Crumbs is probably my favorite. Yes, it's very strong. Tacky's okay. It's, it's fine. The video's Yeah, the video's fun. You know, the one take and all that. But, uh, yeah, as for the videos, that's about it. Those are the strongest videos. I mean, Handy, I'm not a huge fan of. The song grows on me every time I listen to it. Yeah. Just his I like the, I like the and, cheese. Yeah, exactly. Which is, I guess, what he's going for. But I feel like there's a better... I went for him to do, like, a Breaking Bad parody. Like... That was a rumor leading up to this in the fan base. He has a very rabid, a very like small, tight knit, rabid fan base. I can imagine. And uh, they were theorizing that there would be an Albuquerque redux about Breaking Bad. <laughs> All right, uh, we learned a lot today. We learned. <laughs> we learned. We learned that you shouldn't leave your cheesesteaks out under the heat lamp too long, or else you might get fired. Um, yeah. We learned that. If you're going to go to the hospital on short notice, you should maybe check your work schedule first before you leave. Uh, what else did we learn? Um, that the Lord works in mysterious ways when regards t-shirts. <laughs> and we learned that you can get a milkshake in eight minutes. How, what was your quickest time? Did you ever time yourself when you were delivering milkshakes? Sometimes I could get them out Yeah, you know, a minute and a half. How could that be? A minute and a half? No way. Oh, yeah. Especially if I was working over there and that's all they ordered. Just run. I feel like you have to sprint. You hope you don't have beans in your stomach so you can sprint quickly. Get it done. <laughs> well, rush it out. There's the second opening over there, which is pretty much right behind the, the bar. You go in, and the milkshake machine's not far from that. Okay. So you grab the cup, you scoop in the ice cream, you run over to the, get the milk, and then you stick it into the thing. And then also, I figured out, when you clip it, and then you rotate it as it's spinning, you get a more even and Ooh, quicker. Better texture and quicker. Yeah. Good to know. This is people extreme. just leave it in there, and it's like that's I what mean, takes forever. Right, and on mine there was basically like a scoop of ice cream and then milk underneath. Mine was good. Was pretty I solid. think. I don't know. But I, I usually don't get whipped cream, so I forgot to not ask for that's that. That's true. But eh, whatever. It, whatever works. Yeah. This is actually extremely relevant because this is the shakedown. So we just got some hot tips. Yeah. If you have a milkshake machine, <laughs> twirl it with your hand instead of just sitting it there. Good to know. I gotta invest in an old-fashioned milkshake machine one of these days if I really want to be legit with the podcast. <laughs> if I ever want to do it live on stage, <laughs> you can always get those Walla ones. That's true. Mm, it's not the same though. Nah, they're really not. They're even worse. Well, anyway, we learned a lot. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I'm Tyler Mertens. I'm Rob Kesa. And that was the Shakedown.